Hello and welcome to Telenial Horrors, the podcast that looks back at the horror films of the noughties and asks if it was a spectacular decade for the genre, or if we're just being nostalgic. This episode, we're taking a break from our found footage miniseries because it's Halloween, and we're looking at two seasonal classics from the era, Ginger Snaps and May. So, uh, yeah, Sarah, what were your first memories of watching Ginger Snaps? I'm, I've been trying to think, and I feel like these, I mean, these are really sort of early, early 2000s, early noughties. Um, I think Ginger Snaps is 2000 and May's 2002, right? So, I've, I, I'm old. <laughs> I can't remember. Like, I feel like I must have watched them, like, neither of them would have been on at the cinema. So I would have watched them with friends, either at home or in a student flat. But I can't remember my first impressions. I remember, like, I feel like I've rewatched them a lot, but I don't remember my first, my first go, which is uh, disappointing. Sorry. How about you? <laughs> uh, I remember, yeah, Ginger Snaps was one I got a friend's mum to buy for me on DVD. I think it was part of an HMV, like three for twenty quid or something, Aww. and I got all eighteens because someone's parents had offered to like <laughs> be the adult, which is great. Uh, and I'd heard it was really good. I think I'd read about it in Empire or something. I seem to remember there being like a... I don't know if it was Empire, but I remember that and Series 7, The Contenders, being in this like small DPS spread about Canadian horror. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I was well up for it. And yeah, I was obsessed with it from the first time I watched it. Actually. Yeah, I've been a huge fan of it ever since. And it's been one that I would go back to thinking about kind of formative horrors for me, I think. And the kind of horror that... I understood that I really liked not just kind mm. of oh you should watch this because this is important like kind of catching up on like The Shining and Evil Dead and stuff like that like yeah it feels like more like your era yeah yeah and finally something it's like oh like this yeah, I really connect to this this personally feels really like special and cool and immediately loved it and have watched it about once a year since then <laughs> it's very much a, a young teenage movie as well isn't it like they're uh, coming up 16 I think, or one of them. Yes, yeah, they're coming up to 16, yeah, the two Mm. sisters. Yeah, yeah, the plot of Ginger Snaps, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is that there are two kind of outcast sisters, uh, Ginger and Bridget Fitzgerald, who live in a small suburb somewhere in Canada called Bailey Downs that looks weirdly like the... It feels like the Midlands to me, watching it now, (laughs) having lived in the Midlands for quite a long time, her on and off. Um, it feels like Canadian suburbia feels very much like British suburbia, weirdly. Like, there's kind of how, like, there's like a big plot of how, like, kind of new built houses and then just fields. Yeah. Um, it feels like I've been through trains a lot in what, like, Bailey Downs looks like. Yeah, and I've got a pact which is out by 16 or dead on the scene but together forever. And they're morbidly kind of, yeah, obsessed basically and uh, have a great time coming up with scenarios for how they would die and how other people in their class would die. But there's a beast of Bailey Downs, which is everyone thinks is a big dog that's picking off basically small dogs in the area gruesomely. And one night Ginger is attacked by the beast, which turns out to be a werewolf. And Ginger starts to change, going through some very teenage changes, but also going through some supernatural ones as well. And it's up to Bridget to kind of step up and handle it. And yeah, it is like... Every time I rewatch it, I do worry, like, is this going to be a bit too noughties, or kind of, like, I guess, late 90s, early noughties, teenage film? Because it is very teenage, but I really feel like it's... Every time I'm like, no, this is fine. Like, um... <laughs> it's got enough, like, interesting stuff in it that I think you it's still enjoyable, but I think... I definitely found on this rewatch that I didn't relate as much as I did on previous watches. Like I may have done sort of, yeah, 20 years ago. <laughs> I felt like a bit more, uh, I feel like I'm their parents age. I feel like I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like grow up children. What do you mean you're going to kill yourself at 16? That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. The suicide facts feels, does feel like, uh, okay, come on. But I think a lot of the like general pissiness and not feeling like you belong and just feeling like, yeah, everyone else like everyone else in your school is basically on a completely different planet than you are. Yeah. You have like your one person that you really connect with, you know, for her it's her sister, but I think that's quite a common teenage thing, isn't it, where you sort of have like or like yeah, kind of teenage nerd thing where you have like one or two friends who so you kind of yes, like you get it and everyone else is weird. <laughs> like some of it still seems like like they they've got all the, they live in the basement and <laughs> at least they go to your room but also like 
how like how many changes is like have to get like a bedroom a, a basement bedroom that's just, that <laughs> quite cool to me it's i love the production design on that like it looks like a plausible teenage bedroom as well like yeah. i think like sometimes when you see horror movies about teenagers they're a little bit too kind of designed especially you know and watch any of the netflix ones and you know they're just perfect posters like a, a jaunty angle nobody yeah, the puts their posters nobody definitely. puts a poster of a like band at an angle like that's no that's just bizarre um but yeah like their little basement that's just a bit grim <laughs> but like just kind of enough that you know they care about it and they spend a lot of time there but still looks like they haven't had any money or design skills spent on it <laughs> it's a lot of polaroids and beads I, I guess kind of the the big thing that ginger snaps did was yeah kind of make being a werewolf or containing into a werewolf about uh, a teenage girl rather than like a, like a mm. man basically obviously like it's traditionally very masculine yeah um, that's true genre i'm sure there are exceptions i know i'm running through in my head i'm like mm, the howling has some female werewolves but yeah i think you're right mostly mostly men the wolf man isn't it well uh, yeah and i think i was trying to think about the movies where like the the werewolf transformation in Ginger Snaps is, is very, obviously there are like horrible, kind of bloody, gory things, it's very painful, but also it is kind of liberating and fun, as I said, like there's kind of moments of release, I think. And I think like the only one I could really think of was like uh, Wolf with Jack Nicholson. Oh, I've not it's, seen that. It's not great. Oh, it okay. sounds like, <laughs> like, it sounds like, it feels like they had the idea which was Jack Nicholson's a werewolf and that's kind of it. Uh, I think the most memorable scene is he pisses on James Spader's shoes in a, in a urinal because James Spader's like challenging him. <laughs> okay, <laughs> he asserts, lovely. He asserts his territory by pissing on James Spader, which is great. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of the the fun line that Ginger Snaps has, where it's like obviously like very something very traumatic, and it's kind of like she's growing hair like in weird places, <laughs> and growing a tail. The tail is wonderful. I, I was going to say, the so tail good. is like my favourite detail, I think. I just, I love it. Like, every time you see the tail, I'm just delighted. And she's got like that little, little black tape that she tapes into <laughs> her leg with as well. It's so good. Yeah, I, I, but, you know, I guess there, there have been other things that did werewolf as a metaphor for puberty, but this one is so good with it, like, just does it so well. Um, just to the point where you know they're going to the nurse and going oh there's hair in strange places and I'm having these <laughs> pains here and, and there's blood and whatever and the nurse is like yes <laughs> that's very normal <laughs> even though we know it isn't speaking like the teachers like, I think I really love the like the adults in the movie like they're all so clueless but also like some are like more dickish than others like their homeroom teachers like an asshole. Mm. Um, but there's just such a sort of they're all like kind of wearing these like big ridiculous jumpers like knitted jumpers and sort of like mad hair like it's there's such like a um a separation between the the teenagers and the adults in this movie Mm -hmm. it's like there's never any kind of plausible adult that they could go and talk to about it well you say that but i think their mum is always trying to talk to them about it like she uh, she, you get the impression she's like really been waiting for the girl like, there's a whole thing about how both of them are a bit too old to not have started their periods because that's the thing that gets Ginger mauled by the beast is that she's she's menstruating she's bleeding and she gets attacked um, but when the mum like does find out some of the horror she she sort of is there for her kids she like is ready to burn the house down and drive across the country and like hide with her children and to protect them and i was like <laughs> oh that's really nice actually how often in horror movies do you see like a, a good parent like obviously they don't have a great relationship with her but i do get the impression that you know she would do anything for them she's there for them yeah, just because they're little annoying that. gods <laughs> <laughs> I think she just yeah there's all these scenes where she's like trying to sit them down and like presenting this weird looking food that maybe is like very Canadian mm. but it's always like it's kind of it doesn't look appetising whatever like she like when she sits down and tries to have like a chat with them there's like a, some kind of massive snack or something <laughs> oh yeah well I can't remember what it is it is something really strange isn't it that she's like oh I bought this especially for us to have this chat but yeah, like she's constantly trying to talk to them constantly trying to mm. like figure out what's I think that's what um 
like really struck me on this watch now is like look this i'm old i'm an adult but like yeah she, the, the fact that she is really trying and they're just like oh you don't get it um <laughs> and yeah, just being really bratty happy, yeah. and they're really horrible <laughs> and like while yeah. obviously we've all been there as that teenager like i now feel like i have crossed over and i'm looking at them being like oh annoying teenagers <laughs> it's so dramatic <laughs> They are very dramatic to me. I mean, they are particularly dramatic teenagers. And yeah, Pamela is trying. The dad's useless. Um, To the point where when she's offering to to take the kids away and like hide, even though they've murdered a bunch of people. um, Yeah, they said, what about dad? And it's like, oh, he wouldn't get it. Or something like that. It's just like, he doesn't understand. So, like, is he going to be in the house when you burn it down? I, I sort of got the impression that yes, um, and then that it's like it's a very sort of female solidarity thing there, isn't it? It's just like you know she understands because she's a woman, and then like oh, there's that that line that is like my favourite thing in the film, and like the iconic line that Ginger says when she's just been out um, the mauling her boyfriend. <laughs> she comes home and says, um, "I get this ache, and I thought it was for sex, but it's to tear everything apart." And you're like. Yeah, I've been there. Know that one. Yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> like that, that, that feeling of like being a teenager and really sort of pushing at the boundaries of your world and feeling like everything is keeping you in and you can't express yourself and you can't and you just want to be angry with everything and ruin everything. Like that's really relatable. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think I like the, the kind of the body horror of it as well. And I think it's like, yeah, kind of wanting to basically rip your skin off mm. and just kind of, yeah, tear it off and be someone else. I think it's kind of extremely relatable for teenagers. And that the, the kind of the actual werewolf itself, like I've, it's grown on me a bit over the years. It's kind of when she finally does, the transformation's quite gradual over the movie and she like grows long nails, kind of turns into fangs, but it's approaching Halloween so no one really notices. And kind of um, gets the white streaks in her hair a bit. So like it's plausible kind of, a look uh, <laughs> quite a lot of the film but yeah then when she does transform fully into the wealth it's like this kind of fleshy hairless creature isn't it it's like kind of all muscle mm. which I'd like is I don't think I've seen a werewolf like that before but uh, and it has grown on me I remember at the time thinking it looked a bit shit but I think it's because I'd seen dog soldiers around the same time and I really liked kind of I'm very pro werewolves that look like wolves yeah I love the dog soldiers werewolves yeah the kind of the, the final kind of vestige of Kind of the old ginger like yeah it's just kind of a muscly beast thing <laughs> yeah and i guess the other thing is like the relationship between ginger and bridget where bridget has to become kind of the alpha like i just kind of yeah. realized that she's been living in ginger's shadow the whole time and actually this wasn't as equal a sisterhood as she thought it was that still really works for me there i think the, especially emily perkins performance is mm. so good and Catherine miller was great but she gets to have a lot more fun than Emily Perkins has to do a lot more like reacting. Yeah. But yeah, she's great. I, lo- I think, yeah, I think because I heavily identified with Bridget in the, as a teenager because I was like, yeah, I was scared of everything and didn't want to have to do anything either. Um, yes, I do, yeah. I do, yeah. I do wonder who the people are who have the ginger experience because, yeah, I think I'm always the nerd and the film, the film seem to be made by nerds as well so they always want to put you in that. When I say the films, in my brain, I was just thinking, like, I think part of why Ginger Snaps has lost some of its shine for me is that Jennifer's body exists, <laughs> which I think uh, is a yeah, very, yeah. very, very, very similar, like, dynamic. And I kind of prefer it, but uh, that might just be the fact that it's sort of almost 10 years further forward in time. So in another 10 years, I'll be looking at that going now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, um, yeah, Roar as well, the mm. French movie, or French-Belgian, could never remember it, which which one it is. I think it's half and half. But um, that felt very heavily informed by Ginger Snaps. Literally, like, yeah, all the attention that film got and people being like, it's so extreme and like, oh, oh I've never... It's like, oh, come on, everyone's just sitting here going, no, it's just Ginger Snaps. Keep up. <laughs> like, I remember I showed... Um, I had a, a, a sleepover with some female friends when we were in our sort of mid-twenties we'd like we're trying to relive our youth <laughs> uh, and, and I brought Ginger Snaps as a film to watch and I felt like then when I watched it I was like oh shit this is a lot gorier than I remembered because like the other people weren't <laughs> horror fans and it was just like oh this this might I, I thought this was like a nice sort of fun one that everybody would get because it's about teenage girls but then I was like oh no it's a bit much it's a bit much 
it's really gory and a lot it's always a bit darker than I remember. I do remember watching it, I think it was maybe when I was at uni or something. Yeah, showing it to people. And I think I didn't have the gore worry, but I definitely had the, oh, like, I was thinking with Nell and I was the other one where I was always like, oh, this is such a sad film. Mm. Um, like, it's really funny and it's hilarious and it's very quotable, but with Nell it's absolutely tragic. And then it's the same thing with Ginger Snaps. Yeah. Like, I remembered it being like, oh, yeah, it's this great kind of, like amazing like teenage metaphor and it's like it does fully commit to the kind of the morbidity and the darkness of it and, yeah and yeah, and really ultimately the, the tragedy of werewolves like it's pretty much pretty much every werewolf narrative ends that way yeah there's only one way to stop the curse yeah yeah every now and again the ending of american world for london pops into my head exactly like a yeah of it. it's like oh god yeah and it's and it's that exact gut punch it just yeah oh Yes, werewolves are so sad. Werewolves are so sad. But, but I, yeah, I feel like when you think about Ginger Snaps, like when you haven't watched it for a while, the image that you get in your head is like that first day when Ginger goes back to school and she's like <laughs> got a little bit of the wolf about her. So she's just like a bit sexy walking down the hall. And like I feel like that's the image that you get in your head is like, oh yeah, that she's going to be like a monster and she's going to like fuck people up. But, you know, it's, it's the fun, sexy bit of it rather than the... Um, yeah, crushing sadness of the ending. Yeah, the last half hour they're just screaming at each other, basically. And like, yeah, a lot of people getting caught in the way. Uh, one thing that we haven't talked about in this film yet so far is is the boys, um, because there are a couple of male characters who are quite key to it. I enjoy Jesse Moss as... I've forgotten his character name. He's just Jesse Moss in uh, everything McCarty, he's ever in. Jason McCarthy. <laughs> uh, yes, Jason. Yeah, like... <laughs> After he hooks up with Ginger, he obviously gets gets a bit infected with the werewolf thing, and his transformation uh, just bizarre and sort of hilarious. It's sort of played more for laughs than hers, I think. Yeah, definitely, it's like entirely for laughs until he's like, "Oh no, he's actually a threat, and he's going to start hurting yeah. people." Yeah, his his pissing blood scene is weirdly played for laughs. Yeah, which when it would be horrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he's just a dick. I think like he's not like, present. he doesn't, he doesn't do anything. I think in my head he was meaner, but he's just an idiot. I yeah. Think. And he's sort of, yeah, he's just like a high school dickhead. He's a bit sexist and he's a bit of a jock and a bit of a dick. Yeah. But to be fair, like he doesn't, you know, the film, he, he's when he gets secure. Like he's, um, when he's attacking a small boy. Uh, <laughs> Yes. Bridget gets to do a hero moment and yeah, save a child. Like he just gets very acne, like kind of like savage acne, yes. and the spiky teeth, and is a bit growly. But that's like that's the extent of his transformation. Well, because he's more of a he's yeah he's having a male puberty thing, so he just gets aggressive and spotty, <laughs> rather than the. <laughs> maybe need to dig into that slightly, but um, <laughs> yes. And then there's there's uh, Sam the sort of friendly drug dealer who helps helps the girls make the cure. He's one, I think, when I watched The Teenager, I thought, oh, he's very simple. And then watching it now, it's like, oh, he's a bit, like, there is a bit more going on. He's a bit weirder, I think, than I remembered. And I think because he gets a lot of the good lines, like, when he, because it's, he stumbles across the werewolf when he hits the the wolf that's chasing Ginger with his van. And then he tra- tries to catch up with Bridget and Ginger because he realises what he's hit. Uh, because there's a great line about like oh, like that would explain the human circumcised dick I found like that's upsetting that's a mental image yeah but um, yeah there's his relationship with Bridget is never quite I think a lot of the ginger and Bridget uh, there's a lot of discussion between Ginger and Bridget after Ginger starts transforming where she starts saying that every every man that Bridget's talking to is only interested in sex so like she accuses the like the janitor of being a perv and Sam yeah Sam of being a perv and it's definitely like an indication that Sam's been sleeping with some of the teenage girls at the high school but he also has all the kind of knowledge about Wolfsbane and stuff because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a greenhouse and he works in the greenhouse handy yeah he's a he's a slightly odd character I think he wasn't as simple as I remembered him being yeah he seemed a bit more complex on this watch I think I don't know I feel like I'm yeah, like they are overshadowed by the girls completely like oh, that's completely. Like... <laughs> yeah i think i don't really care like sam's ultimate fate of trying to help bridget and getting it wrong kind of every step of the finale like basically making it worse every time and forget like forgetting things that are very crucial and then 
there's that great bit where he's been mortally wounded basically right at the end and Bridget has to pretend to be drinking his blood as well so Ginger won't attack her <laughs> just like yeah. just sitting there going like oh, oh. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty yeah good. yeah it is a very nasty film <laughs> <laughs> even just talking about now it's like oh yeah that scene's pretty gross isn't it yeah it's just yeah just just the sadness of it I think I'm, yeah, thoroughly desensitised to blood and gore now, but just I'm, I'm, I'm much more vulnerable to sadness. I think in a horror film, it gets to yeah. Me the bit that gets me, I think, apart from all the crying at the end and the sadness, is, uh, yeah, Pamela, their mum, trying to find them at the greenhouse party, and she's just walking through it like with her like frazzled hair and mum jumper, like these like stone drapes. <laughs> <laughs> because she thought Bridget was going to come get her but no Bridget's gone off with Ginger yeah yeah it's, uh, I, I do still love it I think it's absolutely great I think like it's my criticism at the end goes on a bit too long I think when they're in the house I don't think when it tries to be a scary werewolf film for about 20 minutes at the end I think it drops off a bit I think the script's better than kind of maybe the when they're, when they're talking basically Carol Walton's script I think is really good it, yeah what um, really surprised me about this is there doesn't seem to be a nice UK release of it. No, there isn't. There's a Scream Factory Blu-ray in America, but um, yeah, I keep checking to see if there's a Blu-ray. Yeah, how, does there, how can there not be? It's so weird. Just like, I've just got this shitty old DVD. Surely I can upgrade this. Oh, no, I can't. Okay. Yeah, I've got the same DVD from school. Yeah, it still, still works, <laughs> thankfully. But, yeah, it still works, but yeah. I think, you know... Um, watching it with my husband and he's hard of hearing and there's no subtitles on it because it's ancient and it's just yes, like oh yeah. come on and you know I would really like a nice crisp print so to anyone who has the ability to get this film <laughs> I imagine this must be some rights thing because surely it's it's enough of a cult classic that somebody would have tried I don't know who the distributor was in the UK because I, I did notice that there's no titles there's no like studio titles at the start of the movie oh, on the DVD Weird. I don't know enough about its production to know, like, if there is something bizarre going on there. I don't know. I remember the DVD being really annoying because all the bonus features play in a little window rather than, like, going into the making yeah. of it. Just, like, it's playing in a window in the menu. It's like, what is... Who made this DVD? This is terrible. Someone annoying back at the beginning of DVD's existence. Yeah. yeah. How much of a Halloween film do you feel this is? I think I watch it every when I watch it I do watch it around Halloween and autumn mm. I do wonder if it's more of an autumn film than a Halloween movie it feels like very sort of autumn leaves yeah. chill in the air it's Halloween's kind of a good excuse for no one to notice that Ginger has got mad eyes and <laughs> kind of rib like muscle kind of rib things happening and it's covered in blood yeah it's definitely not as Halloween as sort of trick or treat or something I guess it's I'd say it's seasonal. Yeah, definitely. I think you definitely get away with it watching it at Halloween, like, if you're looking for something seasonal. But I agree. I think it's very much in the background and, and the time of year doesn't really play into the story very much. Hmm. Oh, I should... Uh, well, maybe don't, I don't think we necessarily should, but, yeah, there are two sequels. Or there's a sequel and a prequel. Yes, there um, is a sequel and a prequel. I, I do quite like Unleashed. It's definitely not as good, but there's bits in it I really like, which is a sequel which follows Bridget and Ginger's in it as a sort of part of her conscience like kind of telling her like ah oh, you're so fucked um, <laughs> and Tatiana Masley from Orphan Black's in it and uh, it's really good um, which is interesting in that uh, the team who worked on Ginger Snaps worked on Orphan Black and one of the characters in Orphan Black lives in Bailey Downs um, oh wow yeah which is sort of yeah Nice little thing. And then, but yeah, the, there's a prequel as well, which is set in kind of colonial times called Ginger Snaps Back, which is not very good. I No, I really should re-watch that because I remember just not understanding why. <laughs> I, yeah. don't know if it, I don't know if it would reveal itself if I watched it now or if I would still be like, why did you do this? There's no real reason apart from, I wonder if they just had a fort set that, somewhere that's, in Canada. That's what I think, yeah. It's, yeah, it's Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel again playing Sister Pitch up at a Civil War fort that's besieged by werewolves. I don't know if it's a Civil War. I mean, I, f- I feel like if you're going to accept that as, you know, like Ginger Snaps canon, then we have to also accept, um, oh, I forgot which one it is. One of the Cinderella story sequels has 
Catherine Isabel and Emily Perkins playing the ugly stepsister roles. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, right. That's, that's, surely this is part yeah. of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think they're making a TV series, or they've announced it's in development or something. A Ginger Snaps one? Yeah, oh, I'm wow. guessing it would be just a reboot TV series. but Yeah, probably. I mean, there's been a few of those that haven't been worth the time. Mm-hmm. It's so weird that everything is cycling back to when we were teenagers. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I guess that brings us to our second feature, which is Lucky McKee's May from 2002, which stars Angela Bettis as May, um, who is... How do we describe May? She is mostly a very lonely, very weird woman who grew up with... Basically, she has a, uh, a lazy eye, and that seems to be the root of all her problems, along with her mother being a complete psycho. Um, <laughs> it's read yeah. to, led to uh, her being kind of alienated from her peers because she's wearing an eye patch and looks weird. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and so she now works at an animal hospital, which makes her even weirder because she's constantly talking about, like, dog's guts and things um and she makes a couple of attempts to have relationships and everything goes horribly wrong very badly wrong yeah extremely badly wrong i've forgotten two things about the start which were i've forgotten it starts with the scream like it starts at the end which was a shock because i was just sitting down to watch it um <laughs> and also that is pretty much the extent of the explanation about why may is growing up isolated and not knowing how to connect with people is that she had a lazy she's eye she's got a wonky eye <laughs> yeah and i had a lazy eye and an eye patch when i was a kid it hasn't and hurt really, you at all yeah no I'm... <laughs> he said but yeah it's it is kind of that simple you, there's a, i love that little scene where it's her at school and she's got the eye patch on and like, a group of kids are talking about her and someone goes like are you a pirate and she shakes her head and then they all walk away yeah. sadly. <laughs> She's just <laughs> gone with it. What an idiot child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone asks you if you're a pirate, you say yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, this one I definitely read about, I guess it was a couple of years later and I remember there being a lot of buzz about May. I guess because May did like the festival circuit and everything, didn't it? So people were talking about it in kind of film magazines and on websites and stuff. So I was excited about it before, quite a long time before I finally saw it, I think, and... I think a friend and I just rented the DVD. And yeah, same again, completely loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And again, like similar to Ginger Snaps one, I do I do watch it again a lot. And every time I do, it's a similar worry about, is this gonna be a bit too, I don't know what the right word I'm looking for is. It's so sort of, it's it's another very sad horror. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but like, I was, is it going to be a bit overdramatic? I think is what I was thinking about. Like, is it going to be a bit too kind of self-consciously tragic? And mm. I think I always got a worry, like, oh, am I going to stop kind of caring about May? But I never do. Like, I think she's just like, I think the film doesn't work if you don't kind of root for her. Yeah, yeah. I agree that the film doesn't work if you don't root for her. I think I rooted for her somewhat less this time. Again, same thing where I'm like. <laughs> come on <laughs> put yourself together woman <laughs> yeah maybe it's like counselling would help counseling yeah maybe get some therapy help. Um, I think that the thing that really stood out for me this time was how simple it is and how much it telegraphs where it's going like I know it's you know it opens with the end but like there's not really a way from there to like figure out where it's going but then the signs are just everywhere it just it really <laughs> really really screams where it's going and there's just no other where you can see anything happening like it's always going where it was going she is Mm. so like so weird in such a very well-defined way that you know that there's not really going to be any coming back from it yeah definitely it's such oh yeah that Angela Bethis that performance is so so good but I think I was just watching it this time there's like she's not so weird that you wouldn't talk to her I think that's sort of because she is absolutely kind of off the wall weird and I think her actions make sense given her character mm. but like it's also you need to buy that she has a normal life kind of like I think in a lot of ways and that yeah. she can talk to people it's just that when she does so like her the conversations are very odd but like she's kind of she is funny in an odd way and I think it's it's because she's so non-threatening and she's like kind of very obviously vulnerable and shy but she kind of lights mm. up when people start talking to her 
that I think you think, oh great, I can I can bring her out of her shell. Like I can I could be her friend. And then once you start yeah. opening up that shell, you realise that there's just nothing but horror inside. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and she a lot of what she how she interacts with people is informed by how they interact with her. So one of the argument thing that the big turning point for her is when she's been seeing this guy called Adam played by Jeremy Sisto who is a self-professed weirdo who likes weird and uh, she's into him for his hands mostly but also just thinks he's wonderful and he likes horror films and he's got like weird shit at his house like didn't realise how much Dario Argento stuff was everywhere it's so perfect that he's got like an opera <laughs> poster and he's like oh yeah like you, you got me I'm a psycho and stuff like that and, but he doesn't obviously doesn't realise how much he's kind of like kind of taking that on board and like okay well he's weird he likes weird this is I'm going to go with this and then she watches this this like really pretentious short film he's made where it's like a couple eating each other and just thinks oh right yeah that's what you like that's like the film and bites him <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah and his his recoiling from her is like so painful but at the same time you're like yeah, dude, you might want to run away faster. <laughs> yeah, I think watching again is like, I thought, I remembered him being meaner in that moment. He's not, that, he's mean. not that mean. He's, no. he's, he's, uh, I think that's the thing that really stands out this time. Like you say, you have to have sympathy for her, but on rewatch, you're like, oh, actually, Adam and, and, and also Polly, who we'll get onto, like, they're actually quite nice to her. They don't actually do that. Like, they hurt her, but not because they're being particularly assholes, just because her expectations are so wild. And she's, you know, she's look. she, yeah. I think it's like what you're saying about Ginger Snaps is that it feels like she's looking for one person to kind of be her everything. And when she realises that she's not everything to them, then she like snaps. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's really the moment when, like, she goes round to his house and stands there for hours, kind of a couple of times, yeah. basically. Um, yeah. And overhears him talking about how batshit she is to a friend. And that seems to be the moment that breaks her more than him leaving. And it's a horrible scene because you see her like in silhouette kind of sobbing and then leaving. But yeah, that seems to be the real push that he's like, oh, he's not the person I thought he was. And yeah, Anna, Anna Faris's character, Polly, I remember... I think that was one of the big criticisms when it came out was that she's way over the top and I, used to, I think I thought she was at the time now I sort of I like her performance a bit more I think it's still very yeah. big <laughs> it is uh, big but then the character's great I think it's comparable to what what Angela Bettis is doing really mm. like she's as exaggerated in her way as, as Anna Faris's Polly is so she um, she's the receptionist I think at the animal hospital or yeah. she's yeah so she's not as um, sort of up to her wrists in gore in the way that <laughs> That, that May is but um, she's like this just super chirpy super kind of bouncy bubbly um, outgoing sexual woman who like I think she, yeah she, she hooks up with May and I think again May expects that that means that they're going to be in love forever and this is her person and, and that's really not what Polly's looking for and I think that is what kind of happens in both cases is that she's too intense and after like going on one date she's like right that's it we're married now we <laughs> we love each other forever and then yeah just gets really upset when that's not the case and I think that is a it's, it's almost like a very like yeah teenage dramatic reaction and you can empathize with it but then once you are an adult you kind of look at the other characters and you're like they didn't really do anything that wrong no and I think both of them I think Polly to a greater extent than Adam both of them seem quite careful not to hurt her or like or to like I guess like with Adam it seems quite like he doesn't want to be a bad guy yeah um, whereas I think Polly seems more concerned with like actually not hurting me I think Adam it does have that kind of vibe of oh I'm not an arsehole so like I'm, I'm not yeah yeah Polly's when she's like May comes around and she's got someone else there like Polly does seem to be like oh oh no okay sorry that's not what um, I didn't realise that's what you thought and like I can get rid of her or something yeah. But there is, yeah, watching it again now, like you said, yeah, there is definitely like a. <laughs> you kind of see it from their point of view a bit more. Where I think watching it as a teenager is a bit like, oh no, like May's been hurt again. But, but yeah, I think so. We, we, we are so far talking around what ultimately happens. But I think we're going to go full spoilers <laughs> um, from this point on. So skip if you haven't seen May, just 
yeah, fast forward or something. Um, but the thing that we know about May from early on is that her mum uh, was really into making things and made her a doll, and that May herself is very much into making things and sewing. Um, watching it now, the way that they try to, to telegraph that she makes her own clothes is that she just has random patches sewn up to everything. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> she's just bought some clothes from a shop and just sewn a bit on. But... Um, but uh, that, combined with the fact that one of the other friends she tries to make has a Frankenstein tattoo on his arm, um, <laughs> is, is really pointing to the fact that in the end, uh, we come back to, if you can't find a friend, make one, which is something her mom says when she was a child. And she chops up all these people who've disappointed her, takes the bits that she considers to be the best and sews herself a monster, a creature, I guess. <laughs> I just, I just feel like, I don't know. I think that it's that bit where she is, um, after having become disappointed with Polly, she's measuring her and Polly's like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to make you a blouse. And like, Polly's just really nice about it. And like, it's like, oh yeah, great. Like really excited. Like, oh, you're trying to be, do a nice thing. Like we're bestest friends. And, and really we know that she's just planning to chop her up. I find that a bit like, ooh. That's where my sympathies sh- actually actually that's a lie my where my sympathies shift in this film <laughs> is she kills a cat may kills a cat she throws an ashtray at it and kills it and puts it in the freezer and i was like fuck you <laughs> i don't like you anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think there's like a lot of the midsection of the film is her sitting in her flat having a bad time and screaming at uh, her doll susie and there's a lot of sound effect of glass cracking as, yeah, she kind of sees he's coming out, basically, is the mm. implication, I guess, and May's mind is fracturing. But yeah, that sort of, yeah, the cat bit I'd forgotten about. I had remem- But then I'd remembered uh, she picks up, it's James Duval from all the Gregoraki films at the bus stop, this, like, nice punk guy who just is like, a complete benign dumbass who comes back <laughs> to her apartment and is just sort of like, oh, it's super hot, mind if I take off my shirt? There's a lot about icing his nipples as well because he's too hot. Yes. And that's why he goes to the freezer. <laughs> finds the cat and gets murdered with a pair of scissors and that scene like is I like the kind of the spiralling out of control of that scene where it's and it's after that basically isn't it where she's like completely singularly focused mm, mm-hmm. right at the end you're talking about how Polly is just being nice to her that so literally as she murders Polly Polly looks up at her and says, her and says I know you'd never hurt me mm. and then yeah May immediately cuts her throat I mean that that does make it hard to empathise with yes. her I think I think that's that's that it, that, the two things I think that I got from these both three watches is there's a lot more animal violence in both of these films than I remembered. Like there are a lot of dead dogs oh, and ginger snaps. Dogs go bad, yeah, 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 and 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 yeah, that just shift in like not sympathising with the protagonist so much anymore. Just being like, actually, you're <laughs> you're a bit horrible. <laughs> um, and I guess that's kind of the 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 challenge and the tension of these kind of horror movies is is how how far will you go in sympathizing with the villain because ultimately yeah you shouldn't be um really identifying with the murderer i do guess that's why it's got play, play so much better when you're a teenager because you're sort of mm. i don't know you have less life experience and i don't know uh just feel your own mortality less yeah 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 and i think <laughs> And you empathise, I think you empathise, or at least I did, like, empathise a lot harder with, like, characters like May, like, outsider characters, and, yeah, I think, I still, I, I agree that at a certain point with this one, I was like, oh, yeah, she does kind of make the shift fully into monster. But then I do really like the end sequence where she's, yeah, I find that really tragic, the scene where she's made a human doll and realises that he can't see her, so she has to cut her own eye out and is kind of lying next to this yeah, Frankenstein's it's monster It's just a hideous thing, because she's got quite bad taste. She does. <laughs> and it's called Amy. She's written Amy on the head. But it ends with the monster kind of putting a, its arm round her, which I feel is kind of thing where, I don't know, part of my brain's like, that's a bit kind of, I don't know, simple. I don't know, it feels like I shouldn't like it as much as I do, but I really like that ending. I think it's really nice, and it feels, I don't know, and it, I know it wasn't like, it was Lucky McKee's first solo film, but it does feel like such a like statement, like this yeah. first movie. Like it's, it feels like a first film of like this is who I am as a filmmaker and this is how I feel about things. It feel like well, I guess that's kind of what I was worried about when I was rewatching it. So like, is it going to feel a bit too kind of 
her first film or so. I don't, yeah, like from the heart, a bit too kind of sincere, and but I really think that's why it works for me. I think it's because because it is that complex though, because like yeah, there's almost a sweetness to that final moment mm. when the hideous thing puts his arm around her, and you're like, oh, she just wanted to love someone, but then it's not. It's a it's a really twisted kind of love where she yeah just wants to be everything to them mm. and she has had to chop up lots of people she has, who yeah. didn't you know not that anyone deserves it but like they particularly aren't horrible enough to deserve getting their bits chopped off and and she's just yeah she does really turn really horrible um so yeah i don't know should you be happy if she and, and is it real do you take it as like she really has managed to bring this thing to life or is it like just her own kind of psychosis I mean, she's she's popped out her eye which is oh uh, mm. that is so difficult to watch she's just like screaming and crying and pops her eyeball out yeah, oh. um but then again like that's the thing that where i'm like when we're talking about it now i'm like hang on have i not thought about this enough because what is it about the eye like it's the fact that she has this lazy eye is the thing that's ruined her life anyway mm. so ultimately she she pulls it out um problem solved <laughs> yeah and it is like it's the um i think things start going quite badly south around the time when she gets there's this whole sequence where may is trying to connect with uh some blind kids uh, from a local school mm. yeah cause she i think she feels bad for one girl in particular she identifies with her and she brings in her doll susie who, who is in this kind of beautiful glass box and the kids quite recently want to know what's in the box so it's like it's just a box it's like oh it's just really lovely dolls from my childhood and they want to know why they can't hold Susie and why Susie is trapped in the box. So they tip the box over and then glass shatters everywhere and there's a lot of kids. And they're crawling around in broken glass. Yeah. And then that's when, yeah, May gets like a splinter of glass in her eye and there's a lot of horrible rubbing. Yeah. Trying to get it out. Oh, and even the scene where she's putting in a contact lens and she just completely mangles it, just mushes the thing into like a ball. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that scene's really upsetting. But again, I think that that it used to play far more tragically for me, that scene, because like she is so misunderstood and because it felt so stressful with all the children all kind of crowding in on her. Um, and then you watch it like as an adult and you're like, well, what did she fucking expect? Yeah. <laughs> what? She just really didn't didn't think about this because like when she's trying to tell these children about a doll and you're like well it's a box so what do you like they're not how are they gonna, how are they gonna know what you interpret thought, this yeah. they can't see <laughs> like yeah silly girl um <laughs> that's my, my final pronouncement on that <laughs> um but i think yeah i think the other thing that these two like we didn't pick these films particularly thinking about the thematic through line but i feel like there are like, quite a few and, and like in the same way that um, Ginger Snaps is making that werewolf narrative about a woman's body, like this is is doing a female Frankenstein. Mm. Just weird girls at Halloween <laughs> having a weird, weird time and uh, ending up mutilating other people and themselves. Mm. Happy Halloween! Night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very fitting. I think this one also feels a bit more Halloweeny because there's that whole bit where she's walking around dressed as her doll. And everyone's like, cool costume. And you're like, no, it's frightening. <laughs> Someone asked if she's got any cold ones in her um, cool Oh, bus. that's lovely. Yeah. And she's like, yes, I, I suppose that I do. <laughs> it's, it's almost like that kind of um, like Annabelle vibe as well with Susie, isn't it? It's the, this doll locked in a box. <laughs> I do not. I don't know where that originated, but it's, yeah, it's just that like idea that this doll has to be contained is quite eerie. <laughs> It's a good doll design as well. I do think, like, it's... There's a cut like... Ginger Snaps was, was one where there were a few more sort of, like, flashy camera stuff, camera bits, and I remember there's, like, a couple, like, spinning, like, kind of that sudden tilt onto Dutch angle shots. Like, there's a bit more of that going on than I remembered. But May, I think, is really... Especially, like, really well edited. I forgot it was, like, Ryan Johnson who edited it. Mm. Um, there's some great cuts, like, from... Isn't there, like, a bit where it goes from sewing, like, her sewing something to, like, the like animal skin opening up yeah oh um, yeah yeah there's so also sorry speaking of foreshadowing i'd completely forgotten the bit where there's a whole bit with this idiot guy who went away on vacation oh, and yes. came back and a dog his dog's missing a leg and then he finds it and it's just sitting on like this table and it's like oh can you set it back on again 
And I was just like, and she's yes, like, I yes, can. I can. <laughs> I mean, I suppose that they're just they are both films that yeah invite you to go along with the, the ultimately the villain in their transformation, but yeah, just give you the shivers. Yeah, and see, this is not the way to go. <laughs> not, <laughs> yeah, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, but that, I think that's what I mean about the fact that it felt a lot. Um, sort of simpler as a narrative in a way because everything is really driving really hard towards that ending mm. um, so you know it just n- n- there would not have been another way to end this film like that's the only way this story can end it's every single thing is pushing her towards this final grotesque act of violence and a kind of love I guess but a really fucked up kind of love Ooh. Mm. Um, side note I just don't think Jeremy Sisto's hands are that nice <laughs> she's constantly <laughs> going on about them and it's like Nah, you could get better. <laughs> I think I did have a bit of a crush on Jeremy Sister as a teenager, so uh, he's just in everything. Like wrong turn, he's in. He's in. Like, he was in so many naughty horrors, like from that era. <laughs> but yeah, I did. I saw your letterbox comments, so I was looking at his hands in this film. And I was like, oh yeah, they're not like model hands, are they? <laughs> no, he even makes a joke about being a hand model, and it's like I don't think so. <laughs> As it's, it's Polly's neck and Polly's Her girlfriend's, girlfriend's legs. legs. Uh, the, the punk guy's arms. And I guess, yeah, Polly's like sort of shoulders. She's measuring across. But yeah, I can't I can't remember who else. Is that it? It's just... I did forget. Who, who's oh, the head from? from? I don't know if we know. I don't know if she's actually got a head. Because it, 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 when you see the final thing, it's kind of swaddled up head that she's then put the eyes like on top. Yeah. Because she initially puts the glass doll eyes on and that's when she's like, oh, you can't see me. Yeah. Logic. What is it? <laughs> I do like that um, when she's taking the tiles that spe- spelled out May and rearranging them to make a name for her creation, uh, at one point she considers Yam <laughs> before she lands on Amy. <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> Why not Yam? Why not Yam? <laughs> It's, I guess they're both films that feel very much of their time and it does always feel like a time capsule watching both of them. Like, I think nostalgia is a huge part of why I kind of keep going back to them. It's like, oh yeah, like these are sort of teen comfort classics. Mm. In a sort of not that comforting way. Well, they're comforting because they take you back to a time when life was less complicated and there wasn't a global pandemic on. True. <laughs> Even though, yeah, they're really sad. But yeah, you know, American Wealth in London was my favourite movie for such a long time and that doesn't end happily at all. Yeah. I know we talked about how depressing it was already, but like, every time I watch it now, I'm sort of like, this is so bleak and upsetting to the point where mm. sort of mm-hmm. the, it being funny is like the secondary thing to me now. So, oh, it's a sad film about the guy who goes hitchhiking on the moors with his friends and turns to a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's why, you know, even though these films are about things in a way and they're both really sad I feel like I like films like these more than the current sort of trend for really piling on the subtext super hard like as much as I love his early work the like Mike Flanagan style of just you know making something excruciatingly sad um, but making the the metaphor like more prominent than the monster like something like the Babadook like I can't I just don't enjoy these films as much as I, I just want the, the the horror narrative to be <laughs> there and then I can t- and then you know then the underlying message or moral or, or or you know whatever sadness metaphor is is there for me but I just don't want it to be like force fed to me yeah there's that both of these films are horror first I think like they're, they're... yeah pretty gnarly like the violence in both of them yeah some of the some of the violence in may is quite shocking and it really is um, yeah i've forgotten quite how like the the editing around the punk guy getting stabbed in the head with the scissors is so well it's like you think like, oh you see it's, okay that's what's happened and there's a cut to him like with his hand in front of his face because he's tried to block the scissors and there's just blood spurting everywhere oh uh, yeah but yeah i agree i think there's sort of they're so they're so satisfying for that that they have like the they know what they're about, but also really satisfying horror movies, definitely. Yeah. And I think that almost gives them more of a rewatch value because you can cut it, like, depending on what mood you're in, the different, like, layers of it hit, hit different, as it Yeah, were. definitely. Um, rather than just being one note. <laughs> so, as it's uh, nearly Halloween, are you doing anything Halloween y? Are you doing, have you done any, like, 
Halloween themed challenges or anything? I haven't done any Halloween themed challenges. I've been trying to catch up on a couple of horror movies that I missed. I watched like VHS ninety four, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try and catch up on some of the twenty twenty one releases. Basically, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of horror movies. I think because I've been doing that sort of I've been trying to think about Desert Island horror movies there's a few of those on there that I've like oh I've not watched a thing in like seven or eight years or something so I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the thing this Halloween around some point um, I think just yeah just try and watch some probably some like just some classics I think it's I spend so much time fretting about have I seen the most recent horror film that everyone's talking about I've definitely neglected some some old favourites I've not watched any good Cronenbergs or Carpenters in a while so we're doing that how about you so we're sort of vaguely doing a 31 days of horror challenge but in a it's gone completely off the rails uh i'm already about five films ahead of where i should be and (laughs) some of them i've just not remembered what the theme was supposed to be one of them uh we were supposed to watch a black and white horror movie and i just picked something at random off a youtube playlist of black and white horror movies it wasn't even a horror movie (laughs) so it's gone out the window but I have watched about 25 or 6 horror films at this point of recording and it's the yeah 23rd and I'm not done today's yet <laughs> uh, other than that what am I doing I don't know I had all these grand plans I was going to go to a pumpkin patch and I haven't done that you had a pumpkin spice latte so I that's did, yeah, Halloween-ish first ever. sort of <laughs> turns out they're really sweet that's they are really sweet yeah uh, what I found with my first pumpkin spice latte experience uh yeah, we, we, my partner and I went to get our first one, um, and she would like to make it clear that uh, she doesn't want you to feel bad for telling us where to go get a pumpkin spice latte. She <laughs> she wants a pumpkin spice latte, and just that we didn't ask should we should we get one. We asked where should we get one from. To be fair, I would have probably said yes, you should, just because <laughs> if you've not had one, and oh, but I think we did that, it for sure. Yeah. yeah, you have to. You have, but 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 now you know what you're getting into. So you're like, if you want a dessert, basically. I think we found like I was like oh fuck the trick seemed to be like if you keep drinking it the aftertaste won't kick in the aftertaste I thought was horrible so I just thought like sometimes I've had them where they yeah they put too much syrup in or they don't stir it enough and then you get to the bottom and there's just like sludge sorted out Starbucks but yeah Um, okay, so I guess we're going to put this this episode out around Halloween. So I guess I will we will wrap up by just saying everyone have a safe and spooky Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.